No Junk Mail presents the 4th of July letter, read to you by James Von Felt. Hey, Brett, how are things going in Afghanistan? Have they sent you to Germany yet? I talked to your mom yesterday, asked her what she had planned for the 4th. She said everything is going as usual, backyard barbecue with the neighbors. Didn't ask about Jonathan and Isaac. Bet they're up to something special involving firecrackers. Does the modern army make anything special of the fourth holiday? Do they have computers to email and Facebook? Recently, I read an old book called Ben-Hur. You'd like it. You always like stories about armies in ancient times. What do you do in your off time? The 4th of July is upon us again. School's out. Graduation ceremonies are over. Odessa and Amber graduated this year. I was in North Carolina with Juan. We drove back for the ceremony. At least I tried. Juan made it for the ceremonies, but I was sidetracked to St. Louis for a funeral. At any rate, it's definite. Summer is here. The corn's growing fast, soybeans are planted and peeking through, and the farmers are griping about the rain. Too much, they're saying. Well, we'll see. The sweet corn is coming along fine, at least in my garden. We usually have sweet corn to eat for the fourth. There will be a lot of celebration as usual. The parade in Bloomfield is probably the biggest get-together of the whole year bigger than the county fair in August, and a whole lot bigger than the corn show event in our town next fall. You've been there for lots of fourths. Do you remember what it's like when everybody gathers on the square? Does the army celebrate the fourth? Do you see anything like what goes on at home, like the people ambling through Main Street, the festivities, the greetings, visiting and eating? As you know, it goes on from sunup till well after sundown. It's a time when people who've been gone return to see who's getting old, to catch up on what's going on, to hug the kids. This year, everything will look pretty much the same. Marching band for schools in the area, politicians waving from convertibles, police and fire chief in the newest shining fire truck, with sirens wailing away, horses and riders with glittery outfits, kids riding ponies, and yes, tractors, new shining ones in the sun as well as ancient ones rebuilt just to show off in the annual fourth parade. After dark, the fireworks will be shot off at the fairgrounds. Reminds me of what I saw many years ago when I was a kid. Seems like the events are the same. Of course, the people are different, but the old town is the same. It's old, very old. It doesn't seem to change. Grandma Laurel said the town was old when she was a kid. The big difference, she told me, was that the streets were dirt then. The sidewalks were boardwalks. There hasn't been a new building for a hundred years. Everything revolves around the famous old courthouse. It's famous because it was featured on the cover of National Geographic one year. It was 50 years old when Grandma was a kid in the 1920s. 
By the time she was growing up, automobiles were the rage. Automobiles scared the horses, she said. One of the buildings was used to show silent movies. Grandma Laurel played the piano and got paid 25 cents for each performance. I came on the scene at the end of the Great Depression, a few years before World War II. As I remember, the fourth celebration in Bloomfield was the biggest thing of the year for me. That was a different time from now, but also a time of change and new technology. For instance, I remember the electric bulb Grandpa Fred had in the parlor. He showed it to all the visitors, but we didn't use it much. We still used the coal oil lamps when it got dark and had to go to bed. Telephones were new technology, too. My brother and sisters all lived with Grandpa or Uncle Mac every summer. Neither one had running water or indoor bathroom, just an outhouse. You pumped water from the well in the yard or the well that was in the corner of the kitchen. Grandma had a huge iron cook stove that heated the kitchen. There was a coal stove in the parlor, too. Grandma had an icebox. Brett, have you ever seen one of those? Looks like an oversized filing cabinet with two doors. The top door is where you put the ice. Yes, ice. Food went in the bottom area. Grandpa Fred would go out to the pond in the winter, cut blocks of ice and haul it back to the barn. We had a pyramid of ice in the barn all summer long. It was covered with sawdust just to keep from melting so fast. We picked chunks of ice for Grandma's icebox. Kept food cool, too. Grandpa Fred's place was a mile south of our town, right next to Laverne Klein's farm. In those days, us kids didn't wear shoes. We'd walk to town on the gravel road. Our town didn't have anything like a modern grocery store then. Still don't. The food we ate was fresh from the garden or canned by Grandma. Most of our food came from the summer garden, along with eggs, chickens, cows, a calf, pig, a goat, and a few sheep. Two horses and the old mule were the workers on the farm. Grandpa Fred didn't believe in having a tractor. He used his 40 acres to grow potatoes, onions, sweet corn, tomatoes, watermelons. Oh, I love those. Cantaloupe and turnips. Laverne Klein farms the 40 acres now. Grandpa Fred had an old rickety truck that you started by cranking the engine by hand. He would take some of the crops to grocery stores in Bloomfield, Ottumwa, Burlington, and towns nearby. The store named Produce in Bloomfield bought a lot of his potatoes and onions. They put them in sacks and sent them to Chicago by train. Special stuff like sugar, spices, salts, etc. were purchased by Grandma with money she raised from selling eggs. Grandpa had two cows, so we always had milk. We learned to milk the cows early. Uncle Mac had 12 cows. I could milk three in the time Uncle Mac milked nine. He sold the milk after we ran it through a separator to get the cream. Aunt Lilith made butter from the cream. She also made real ice cream. Mmm, that was good. Uncle Mac also had a herd of pigs. Sometimes he had as many as 200. And he had a small tractor. It didn't have rubber tires. The back wheels had metal spokes that grabbed into the dirt. 
He taught me to drive. That was a real big deal in those days. I liked being at Uncle Max because the Chickling Boys were his neighbors. Bobby and Donnie were my age, and we would have great times together fishing and swimming in the water hole down at the creek. Their family farmed corn and beans like everybody else, and they raised Shetland ponies to sell to circuses. I had my own pony all the time I was at Uncle Max. Brett, you would be surprised to have seen our town in those days. There used to be four churches in town. Everyone went to one or the other. Only one church is standing now. There used to be a big sawmill right where you lived. There were several buildings in the two blocks we called town. All but one is gone now. In one building, there was a drugstore. Another had an ice cream parlor. Another was the barber shop. The big store sold dry goods, such as sugar, flour, coffee, candy, cigars, spices, cloth, and sewing stuff. They also sold cook stoves, heating stoves, tools of all kinds, and a lot of other stuff. The old bank building is still standing. A few years ago, Larry Butler tried to make a grocery store out of it, but it didn't work. In the old days, on Wednesday evening, the farm people came to town. The town folk gathered in, too. Most people came to town in horse-drawn wagons. The horses and wagons would be lined up, one next to the other on a slant, in the middle of the road between the stores. The men would get together and talk farming stuff. The women would gather together and gossip. Shopping would be done and then loaded in the wagons. Meanwhile, us kids would play tag, kick the can, and a bunch of other games. We never had any money, but we might get an ice cream cone if we'd been good that week. A double-decker cost ten cents, a dime with solid silver there. The kids from town would be there, too. We knew each other, because we all went to the same old brick schoolhouse there east of town. The podcast I made, titled The 55 Issue, tells about how all the independent schools in the county were replaced by the big one in Bloomfield. Check it out. My podcast is called No Junk Mail. The park in our town has changed a lot. We only had swings, teeter-totters, and a baseball diamond. No backstop. You were here when the town put in modern swings and a jungle gym for the kids. The basketball court has been there for a while, and so was the new baseball diamond. It has lights now. The train station was moved to the park when the railroad quit. The blacksmith shop is gone forever. The pavilion where you can get in the shade or out of the rain is old. I don't remember when it was built. It's a great addition. A tractor-pull runway was built right across the street from where you used to live. That's a popular event at the corn show. The kids today have all kinds of electronic toys, PCs, iPhones, pads. Shows the changes that are happening today, but the kids don't seem to bring them with them. They play, run, swing, play kickball, baseball, throw a football, sit and talk, fight, yell, and generally have a good time at the park. They even have water fights like we did on really hot days. That's great fun. During the war years, I mean World War II, 
my dad moved us away to Portland, Oregon, then across the Columbia River to Vancouver, Washington. There were good jobs in the shipyards then. That time period was very different, too. Both parents were working then. We lived in housing built just for the war effort. They tore it down after the war. Many of the kids' fathers were overseas fighting. Some were killed in action. Us kids had a lot of time on our hands, and we used it creatively, going down to the Columbia River, fishing in streams nearby, or just playing in the woods. I wrote a book about our adventures. It's on Amazon. The title is The Trading Post by James Bonfeld. A public school was built nearby. It was special because it was running seven days a week and was open late into the evenings. There were lots of things you could do there after school, like basketball, boxing, wrestling, all kinds of crafts, sewing, art, and music. They were trying to keep us busy while the parents worked. But back to our town and the kids today, I don't see much difference when they're out playing. The kids are creative, energetic, full of ideas, always trying new games and things. All summer long, I see kids at our park. Parents are rarely with them. Everybody knows it's safe. Same goes for most of the small towns around here. One thing I noticed that is definitely different in the big cities today is they organize events for the kids. I've heard that they have t-ball, baseball, softball, and soccer teams. Segregate the kids by age. The old ones don't play with the younger ones. And they have fancy uniforms, coaches, umpires. The parents come to see the games. They have leagues all organized and trophies for the winter. That's big city stuff, I guess. Well, it's great. But our kids just play any way they want, any time they want. If they don't like a game, they make up their own with their own rules. Brett, I'm saying all this because what you're doing in the Army right now means a lot to us. You're standing in the gap for our freedom. Because of you and many like you, we can celebrate the 4th in peace. Our lives and the lives of many, many more are directly affected by what you're doing. We pray that you will be protected in your assignments and will come home safe and sound. We miss you, and we're looking forward to seeing you soon. Well, that's it for now. From where the corn grows tall and pigs fly, take care. All my love, Grandpa Jim.